The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, we're going to talk to Dr. Lauren Lax. You are not going to want to miss this interview. This one, yeah. This is definitely a splode brain interview. Totally. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. What are you eating over there? What are you talking about? Are these sweet tarts? That's like just sugar. What are you talking about? <laughs> Hello! Hey, Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Patty Devers? I'm good. I'm not quite as sweet as you are today. Oh, well, you know, there's always work to be done. That's <laughs> so true. If there's one thing I've often been told, I need to be nicer and yeah. sweeter. I mean, look, and you have a perfect model sitting right across the That's table from so, you. So, listen, I'm just going to take notes. I'm going to watch everything you do. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Patty Devers. <laughs> this is a podcast. It is. It's called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you very much, Genova Diagnostics. It's where we talk about things like specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, functional, specialized, integrative, holistic, wellness, and such. Wow, you're struggling over there. I think you need more sugar. There's just so much to, that we talk about it's so and true. cover that it's really to true. really get it all smashed in there and to keep it fresh. You know what I mean? I, I don't you know, I get... Agree. I want to keep it fresh. And you know, there are some people who are brand new to the show. So mm. to them, it is fresh. But for those who are returning, Michael's trying to freshen it up for you. So thank you so much for your support. Maybe if you like this show, you should follow us on the various platforms like Apple, Spotify, etc. Anywhere podcasts can be found. Perhaps rate, review, share with your friends. Write us a written review. We like oh, those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes we don't like them, but it doesn't matter because we're going to read them on the it's air all anyway. Good. It's we all good. We love the feedback. We're not sensitive around here in the slightest. No. So don't even worry. Don't pull any punches. Just let us have it. <laughs> um, and if you have even more feedback, like like that's not enough. You have more punches left right. in you. Mm -hmm. You can send your punches to podcast at gdx.net. That is our email address. That's right. And if you are a consumer interested in looking at some of our, our products here at Genova, you can head on over to connect.gdx.net. There you can, you know, have access to the- Consume. You, you can have access to our testing there. And we have Find a Doc tools and our goal is to That's connect. Awesome. We're going to connect you with a Genova client to That's guide awesome. your healthcare. So smart. Yeah. So a couple things going around uh, our neck of the woods here. Uh, thankfully, we were recently on the Ben Greenfield podcast, which was just an honor and a delight. Really fun to spend some time with uh, the Ben Greenfield. And, you know, it really was an honor. It was me and Michael Chapman and our CEO, Jeff Ledford. Yeah. And what Ben did is he did the same thing. He went to Genova Connect. He got a Metabolomics Plus. He got a GIFX. And we actually interpreted his results on the podcast. So yeah. you might want to check this one out. Plus, if you've ever seen a podcast with somebody with a blue mouth, uh, ben had just taken methylene blue. So uh, that was pretty fascinating, too. But that wasn't even the most fascinating piece of this. It's that the interview was over an hour and he was on a treadmill the entire time. Oh, man. What in the world? What am I doing with my life? I, we can barely sit here and get through these This interviews. is not Mike we Chapman Fitness Podcast. <laughs> it certainly is not. But check that one out. Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. And look for me and Michael and Jeff. Patty. So this, this uh, Dr. Lauren Lacks. 
Ugh. I mean, where do you begin? I, I don't even know where to begin. I've been trying to get her on the show for quite some time. We've been going back and forth, and we finally got her. Yeah. You and I have been all over her website and heard this story, and it's so profound and so compelling. I had to get her on the show, and finally she's here. Yeah, and it's not just her story, too. I mean, her overall approach, the what, what the story and her history has turned her into as far as a practitioner and how she's able to uh, provide insight that I think most people do not have the capacity to do. And it takes it takes a story like that to, I think, layer in some of the complexity and wisdom that she promotes. So um, without further ado, Please, for sure, without let's go. further ado, let's go. We need no more ado. Stop the ado. So, hey, Patty. Ugh. Have you, are you familiar with Dr. Lauren Lacks? I've been waiting I'm, a very yeah, long time yeah. to speak to this woman, and I'm very excited that she's here. So for the one person who might uh, be out there not familiar with Dr. Lauren Lacks, <laughs> Dr. Lauren Lacks is a doctor of occupational therapy and holds a master's degree in human nutrition and functional medicine through the University of Western States. She's been extensively trained through the Institute of Functional Medicine and Nutritional Therapy Association and Cresser Institute. Dr. Lauren is an author, health journalist, and certified personal trainer. With over 20 years of personal and clinical experience in overcoming significant illnesses, she offers functional medicine coaching, nutritional therapy, online and group programs, and helps patients solve their greatest gut health, hormonal, immune, and eating disorder challenges. And with that, thank you so much for Welcome, being here. Welcome, Dr. Lauren. Yes, thank you guys for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> nice. Well, like I said... I've been dying to meet you for oh, man. a plethora of reasons, ma'am. And basically, Michael and I have researched your website, drlauren.com. We've seen you on national news outlets like CBS Evening News and other platforms. And I followed your timeline on your website. And your story is so compelling. It had us literally crying tears of joy, pain, yeah. oh. bravery, survival. I was at my desk. Michael comes in. We're no, both she's a wreck. crying. We're crying. And I was like, this, <laughs> I need to meet this woman. <laughs> and so for those oh. of you who are not familiar, I was hoping that perhaps you'd be willing to share your story with us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much again. And um, yeah, sitting in the seat does definitely did not happen overnight. Just being a practitioner now and say, I say heal to heal others. And my story dates back to, let's go back to fourth grade recess. And mm -hmm. I was 10 years old, pink scrunchie and my frizzy hair. I still wear scrunchies actually. <laughs> um, but all I wanted to do was fit in. And that day at recess, the popular girls invited me to join their gossip circle um, where we're laughing at Melanie Strawn's ugly sweater and gawking over <laughs> my crush Eric Arthur's cute freckly face and floppy ears. And oh, man. then... Yeah, you all got a crush, I know, <laughs> back in the day. But um, the topic of weight came up in that circle. And the queen bee said, oh, my gosh, you guys, I weighed myself last night and I'm 69 pounds. So fat. And then turning to each of us and she said, what do you weigh? Mm. And one by one, we had to go around the gossip circle and report to our drill sergeant. And at a healthy 80 pounds, 10 year old girl, um, and when the circle got to me, I gulped and I lied. And I said, I don't know. And just remember going home that day, standing in the pantry, turning over my favorite Dorito snack pack that I ate every day after school and learning a brand new language, which is fat grams and calories. And at age 10, my life path took a sharp turn. And from that day forward, little did I realize I would actually spend the next 20 years of my life on a roller coaster of diets and dogmas and doctor Google searches and doctor's offices all in the quest for feeling good in my own skin. And um, they really began with 
a diet, innocent dieting. I was going to lose 10 pounds is my um, goal. And so it began with calisthenics and just monitoring everything I was eating and you know, classic 90s child. Uh, low fat was super popular at the time, but I oftentimes say I was a trendsetter, I think, for every diet under the sun that we even see out now today. Just anything from vegan to carnivore to keto, like mm-hmm. before it was even called whatever it is, yeah. um, was really just experimenting on my body and all in quest to just, again, feeling good in my own skin. And um, before I really realized that something got hold of me more than I had hold of it. And it became so much more than just about losing 10 pounds. So Eric Arthur would like me and these other little girls would want to be me. Um, my eating issues, my eating disorder became really a sense of my identity, my purpose in life, my worth, my, um, just even my achievement and my sense of control. And so I began to meet what I call gut hungers. Um, we all have core gut hungers in our life and we can meet them with both um, positive or not so positive outlets. Mm. And so some of my core gut hungers, I began to just try to find and feeling good in my own skin and through food, through exercise, um, through eventually just all, even like orthorexia is what I would call it, eventually morphed into obsession with healthy eating, um, my anorexia transition. Over the course of that 20 years, um, I spent four accumulated years just behind bars, what I say in hospitals and treatment centers overtly, just my life Hmm. there over the course of many different months, chapters, uh, where the typical treatment for eating disorders was Pop-Tarts, pizza, and Prozac. Mm. And I would say very much so. It's still that way to today, but it was a very early awakening of what the symptom-based treatment model is all about. Mm. And I was dealing with an eating disorder, but we look at anyone that has maybe just a chronic lifestyle-induced disease an illness and oftentimes a similar treatment ensues something to fix the symptoms versus getting to the root cause and so i became kind of a healthy skeptic at a very young age i'm actually very thankful and my life journey was starting to tee me up for what i'm doing today little did i realize um i'll never forget my first time in a hospital um, I was being plated for Pop-Tarts in one setting and the kitchen had actually messed up. They had said two Pop-Tarts on my uh, diet for that morning, but they gave me two whole packages. So there was four Pop-Tarts total. And I just remember like not being able to hold it down after I finished within my 30 minute block that I had to eat mm. it like a military style mm. and just being punished and scolded for not for throwing up and feeling like a prisoner in my own skin again. And just like, then it became very much about me versus the system through a lot of my my further treatments where, you know, egg McMuffins and Eggo waffle Thursday mornings and double bagel days. Like I was just faced with all these challenges in treatment that was very anecdotal to my like dieting lifestyle and mentality outside of treatment. Mm-hmm. So I never lived really in a middle zone or learned a gray zone or just really learned how to like nourish my body, give my body an olive branch, like in more ways than one, not just with food, but like with mind and heart work as well. Um, A lot of my therapies during those days were just very symptoms based and so focused on the past and like the negative and on the eating disorder and the problem versus like, who did I want to be in like moving forward past the pain and the problem, which is where a lot of my direct focus goes now with my clients when they come to me with any unsolved health challenge that they had. It's really like changing your story is going to be a big propellant to getting past that story. Um, So I stayed stuck in all this and so fast forward, age 23, I find myself 79 pounds mm. death's doorstep. Mm. And it's like my life flashed back to that 
that day at recess and being that 10 year old girl, one pound less now, Mm -hmm. only this time a full fledged adult. And I was in my second year of grad school about to start actually that day, my second year of grad school, I was living in Nashville at the time and had transitioned out of, I was on the path to becoming, I was a broadcast journalist actually for four years, but had decided to go to grad school because I wanted to get out of Arkansas, I was living and working at the NBC affiliate there, but that's where my parents were. I just wanted out. And so what do you do when you don't know what to do? You go to grad school, take on loans. I can live on my own, all the things. Um, so I'm living here, step on the scale like I do every morning about 4.30 a.m. only to see that number. And um, I'll just never forget getting in my car and praying on the way to the gym out loud. God, help me make a change today. Like I can do this. I don't want this anymore. Help me. And, um, something inside me, actually, I had started to go to another gym. I had like five or six gym memberships and something inside me wound me around and said, no, you want to go to the YMCA? Like I really wanted to get on my Stairmaster. So I like do this peel around and start heading there. About 10 minutes later, I'm in the parking lot, 5 a.m. now, and gathering my my magazines. I read like my Bible on my Stairmaster every single day. Mm-hmm. And someone comes up behind me at 5 a.m. and says, good morning, Lauren. And it startled me. And you don't expect really anyone to approach you in the parking lot. And not one, but nine other strangers, nine gym goers actually walk up and they stepped in and they spoke up and they said they wanted to help and that I had been put on their hearts the the day before and that they all just had been watching me the past year as an acquaintance. I was the girl that smiled at everyone, but they saw a girl that was slowly killing herself on her Stairmaster every morning or working out eight hours a day, multiple times a day that Hey, did you see Lauren this morning? Oh, did you see her tonight? Etc. Mm-hmm. And so they just they, they didn't know what to do, but said, we want to take you to Vanderbilt Hospital and get you checked out. And when I heard that word hospital, I like gripped my keys super tightly because I just knew what that word meant. And they had no idea of my health history at all. Mm-hmm. And they just really out of care and concern were worried. Um, so they took me to the hospital against my wishes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, something inside me just really like softened and just said, you know, maybe this is exactly what I just prayed for a change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, within the next 48 hours, I found myself in the CCU with a heart rate in the near 20s and doctors <gasps> saying I may not make it wow. swirling around on me saying we may need to call code blue. And my parents had made it down by that time. And they were just so thankful, like they had done everything up to that date and had really just released me ultimately to the Lord. Like, I'm just like, we she's an adult and she's living and um, they were so thankful that these individuals really stepped in. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it was not rainbows and butterflies after that. I spent the next four weeks on heart rate monitors and feeding tubes and IV fluids. And um, at the end of that four weeks, the doctor gave me one of two choices. He said, you can either spend another six to eight weeks here, just like let us refeed you on a hospital bed, or you can go to treatment. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do A or B, uh, but I chose the latter. I wanted to get the tube out of my nose and mm-hmm. just um, so ended up at a place in Miami. And for me, it was like, oh, it's just going to be the same thing. And Quite honestly, it was and it wasn't at the same time. So I went, I said I would stay there six weeks. That was the minimum. On the six week mark to that very date, I started to get chest pains that I hadn't had since like back in that, when that imminent scene had happened. And it was like, as if someone from above was saying, Lauren, I'm not done with you yet. There's a lot to ring out here. And I'm so thankful that I didn't leave then because I would still be in a completely different place. I think I like there were many years that I had to work out of my system in there. And what I realized is like treatment really was that Pop-Tarts Pizza Prozac model still, but something inside me really changed. And I, I had a heart 
from then on of surrender of like, whatever it takes, I'm going to be different on the other side. And I made a decision in that moment. And so I spent a, a full year in Miami and healing. Um, and really when I launched out to the world, that's really where the healing began and where I began to like learn to crawl again and to walk again in a way of just like being a human in the outer world of like a new identity I was taking on learning how to interact and um, social settings as far as like around food and fitness found an amazing like CrossFit community which actually was a big segue into finding functional medicine mm. believe it or not because CrossFit and paleo at the time were really popular yeah. paleo was popular for functional medicine and stumbled into like the mentorship of Chris Kresser early on as a functional medicine mentor and really began just like this new path as a health detective instead of like a journalistic detective. Yeah. Um, and so I was so thankful for that. And little did I realize on the back end of that journey, and this is really like where the next chapter began was um, I would be diagnosed with over 12 incurable illnesses over the next 10 years. So I thought, you know, rainbows and butterflies, it's all over, right. but really like both the chronic dieting and the treatment to heal me actually wrecked my gut microbiome, I would later discover. Mm -hmm. um, and so, which is the gateway to everything, your mm -hmm. health, your head and your heart, um, like figuratively. And so I, yeah, was diagnosed with all like five autoimmune diseases and mold disease, Lyme illness, co-infections, um, chronic anxiety, osteoporosis, like really the list just kept going on like a infomercial or a drug commercial. Mm -hmm. And every doctor I went to, both conventional and holistic, really had no answers. And the Mayo Clinic turned me away. Cleveland Clinic turned me away. My comp my case was too complex. Mm -hmm. I had developed some mass cell activation syndrome going on. And so, and they're really, I mean, it was still pretty new in that space. I feel like it's getting talked about more like mass cell and mold and some things about like what to do about it. But even a lot of my functional colleagues didn't really know how to work me up or how to help. And so I really just, my body became my own best underground medical school is what I call it. And just became uh, not taking no for an answer and not figuring it out and use that same mentality I'd used in my eating disorder recovery to apply to that and just said, you know, I'm gonna make in my mind and my heart, I'm gonna be healed and different on the other side. And lo and behold, here I am today, 100% remission from everything, even just like my osteoporosis numbers, I got back this, uh, I guess spring, I was pretty severe and no longer severe. Like mm -hmm. it's reversed to osteopenia, which is really unheard of, um, like the number jump that it was. And so it's just been so um, exciting, I think. And I, I do say I'm healed to heal others. I'm now serving as a functional medicine practitioner. I actually have done that for 10 years and just learning along my own way mm -hmm. too. Um, and I'm really in a transitionary period right now of serving more one-to-many versus one-to-one -one as I roll out a new company called The Total Gut Reset, which is all about healing like from the inside out. Health is an inside job. And uh, I kind of said it earlier, your gut impacts everything, not only your health, but it is your second brain then, and then your heart. It's the core of who you are. And so um, I do both incorporate not just like functional medicine, which I think sometimes can turn into green allopathy mm -hmm. in, in modern day, sure. uh, but really like getting to the root and the mechanisms working at play, as well as incorporating a lot of like the psychology and mindset behind healing, uh, the biology of belief. And so, and I've really been getting deep into German new medicine and human design work as well to kind of like round out what it means to be fully healed. Nice. Okay. So I, I have so many things to say right now. <laughs> I already even knew this story. And as you're telling it, I'm like, 
tearing up saying, don't cry, Patty, don't cry, don't cry, <laughs> Patty. But it's just so profound. I mean, Michael's got a, a young daughter. And just to, to hear how your, a life trajectory can turn that quickly. The other thing that strikes me is those strangers and the humanity of, mm-hmm. of they don't know you, but they cared enough to speak up. And so many people don't speak up and, and look at others around them and care. So that story is just, it gets me every time. I swear, I've, I've heard it <laughs> 10 times. I'm already going like, this is so great. And just the resiliency and the bravery that has brought you to where you are. It's just such a great story. I don't even Thank know what to you. say. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just like, I, it's it was a radical roller coaster is what I can say. And just like, so thankful on the back end. And I oftentimes will tell my patients that on the front end of their journey is like, life is happening for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. And I do like really believe with that mindset, our greatest setbacks are our biggest comebacks. And there's really no diagnosis or like disease that comes to me that I don't feel like I can tackle now, just really because there's been, there was so much thrown my way, like even cancer workups and like stroke workups and mm-hmm. brain tumor workups. And um, just like being told I had a chronic heart conditions and it's just like really cool how resilient the body is. If like, yeah. you can think of a person breaks a bone, slaps a cast on it, six to eight weeks, their body innately heals itself. Like mm-hmm. even if that person's eating McDonald's and we don't advocate for that in functional medicine, mm-hmm. but right. it's like the body is, is designed and wired to heal and so absolutely yeah. well and to piggyback on what you just kind of said uh, you know the learning lessons through that roller coaster i mean what do you think are some of the major key takeaways that you came out with that are makes you see patients perhaps a little bit differently than you know certainly a conventional physician but even a functional a lot of the functional medicine docs have today what would you share that you know yeah. you have learned i mean i think uh, first and foremost where our focus goes our energy flows or just like where our our body flows so it's like if our mind is so focused on like where we're at today or like in the past and like everything that's been happening or no one's been able to help me and like that story that swirl story and it could be a very accurate story that you're living Mm -hmm. um when you do a complete about face and start to focus on the towards like what do you want and to really get into that state as like as if you're healed so if i'm healed how do i speak to myself or how do i like on the daily decisions um, that I'm making, whether it's around food or my supplement protocol or just like my stress levels and what I'm taking on, if you can get into that frame of mind of being already healed and it really can help with like getting into a new, like those new shoes. And there's also something like a strategy I developed, I call it your primary question, but like that was just sometimes my cue question I would ask myself in the healing process. If if you recall like the WWJD bracelets back in the 90s or the 2000s where it was like, what would Jesus do? People would look at that WWJD. My question became like, what would thriving me do or what would healed and recovered me do or healthy me? And I encourage my patients to kind of develop like, what is that like gut check question you ask yourself that helps you kind of snap out of that story where you're at? Um, and I do hope that like my, my own story when I work with my patients is inspirational for them um, so that they can, well, like, well, no one's done this before that they, I really do feel like I can relate to my patients and really know what they're feeling too in many ways um, just because of the lived experience. Yeah, yeah. So true that empathy is so important, but you know, it's, it, it's tricky as it relates to you because diet and nutrition has been such a part of your life in an unhealthy way. And now, you know, you're sharing such amazing results and, and new, new ideas and insights with your patients. Now, when we talk a lot about diet and nutrition on the show, mm. so many conflicting opinions out there. Like you said, you were in the diet world before the diet world even know what the diet world was, but you wrote a book and it's called Eating Healthy is Killing You. And it talks about the glamorized world of fad dieting and strict food rules. Well, 
what happens to people when they live this way long term? And then how do you go about fixing it after years of disordered eating to find food freedom? Totally. I'm glad you asked that question because I think like there's so much talk about like obviously sedentary lifestyles and processed food and standard American diet. Like and we're talking to individuals that are already doing like not that <laughs> the opposite right. of that a lot of times in, in a functional medicine space and perhaps to the nth degree where they're only eating five to ten foods because either it's all their body can handle because they're so sensitive to everything or just because they're so conflicted and they have all these food lists from different like angles mm-hmm. of like the no oxalates the no histamines mm-hmm. um eat the carnivore do whatever it is um and so i think that which is once productive can actually become counterproductive in the dieting space or in the health I think that word diet is even kind of dated. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I feel, I think of like slim fast in the 90s as well when I heard that word, but it's like healthy eating or clean eating. So what, again, was is once productive. So some of these diets can be very therapeutic or ways of eating very therapeutic for the gut. And it really comes from a gut perspective too of, of why they may not be so productive in the on the latter half and why they're productive on the front half as well. So I think the conversation that really gets left out of like the dieting world and nutrition world, it goes back to like how it's reshaping the gut microbiome. We know the gut can significantly change in as little as three days, depending on what we're feeding it. And so like the study where they people were basically carnivore diet or like vegan diet they didn't call it either but that's what they were eating plants and animals Mm -hmm. and like they just noticed that the biome shifted significantly and so that's what really i why i think diets or clean eating ways work and you feel great or why they may be productive early on for say like 30 max 90 days um for an individual and then on the back end when we start, I get a lot of individuals that were maybe on the keto diet one time. Now carnivore and animal based is very popular are becoming more popular. And I think it can be, it can help a lot of individuals like autoimmune wise and everything feel better, but we have to just question anytime that we do feel better on a diet, why? And right. so like the, the reason why I didn't feel good eating vegetables are like, if you're on a carnivore diet, it's not because vegetables are toxic. It's well, maybe with stuff they're doing to them now they are uh-huh. in some right. ways but right. Um, right. we could say that about meat as well sure. but um really it's because your your gut microbiome your microbes were not in a place to handle them and so like if you diversified your microbiome you may feel differently about those vegetables or and vice versa with meat like if meat feels like it sits like a brick in my stomach and i just prefer eating just plants or i don't crave meat at all like there's a reason why and you have a certain microbial profile right now that's not able to digest them as well as you probably have low stomach acid and enzymes. And so I think about just diets now and ways of eating in terms of the microbiome. So, and ultimately like no one ever did a study showing balance to be a bad thing at all. There's just no money in that study Mm. and it, because it's so true. And so we know that our bodies are wired and designed to digest proteins, fats, and like fibers slash carbs, but those fibers are what help populate the gut Mm. from the carbs. And I mean, sure we can get protein from a mushroom or an apple, but as that the ideal source of protein. No, there's going to be like point something or one gram in there. Just like we can get glucose from chicken or beef, like the body can make it that way. But is that an optimal source of like glucose, like fuel carb for your body? No. And so we kind of like force our body to run on like, in a way, cheap unleaded fuel when we're a premium like vehicle mm-hmm. uh we're a, we're a porsche or a ferrari mm-hmm. and it can work for some time and again we can avoid and like skirt around the symptoms with our diet but if you are reactive to like real whole foods um whatever that is like a fat 
a carb or a protein, we have to just ask why that is. And I think just focus more on like reshaping the inside as well as like acknowledging like ancestrally and ethnically and just like where we're raised, like can play a role as well in like foods that we maybe best feel better with. Like some tend towards a meat heavier diet an animal-based diet actually, but with some carbohydrate in there and vice versa, a more plants friendly diet, but also with that protein, that's going to help the body just run like that portion Ferrari you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, that's such a great summary. I, I appreciate that so much because we do, we spend so much time, you know, asking people whether they have an opinion on, you know, a best dietary strategy or, or what have you, or, you know, compare and contrast and all this sort of thing. And, you know, the way that you're talking about it is more, in my opinion, a more holistic version of, of approaching basically that age old question of what do I have for dinner? Um, and the combining that with kind of this aspect that you were talking about, the importance of the gut microbiome and overall GI health previously, um, there's that, the question I had too came up when you were talking about the, uh, pizza, Prozac and Pop-Tart therapeutic intervention because to me like that's also so nutritionally deplete and it is so damaging because it's inflammatory it's straight you know for the most part simple carbohydrates that is not going to in any way assist somebody that whether it's their neurotransmitters or 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 their inflammatory pathways Mm -hmm. or any of that stuff and so you know when you're with your patients knowing that nutrition is so important as well where do you tend to start do you always tend to start with the gut or is it is it more subtle i guess Yeah, no, I think the gut is a great place to start. And I do foundationally teach people five gut love habits is what I call them Mm -hmm. that are just like the crux of like a healthy microbiome. And really, I don't practice food dogmas or like prescribe a certain diet, except I just say a nourishing, nourish your gut bugs. (laughs) It's kind of how I teach them and Mm -hmm. all with 80-20 balance, meaning like no perfection when Mm -hmm. in Rome eat the pasta on your birthday, like eat a treat mm-hmm. that you like, or if friends ask you to go out to eat on a Friday night, go and just enjoy. And like really the body, when it's given that balance of like gut friendly foods, it's really going to crave those too. Um, and so I love to just give people permission there. And I think too, like they're a huge piece of the puzzle that's left out with any diet that works or doesn't work. And like why certain foods make us feel a certain way or not is the gut brain connection to the foods. And so like you've probably seen the the milkshake study where they give two groups a milkshake and they wanted to see what happens metabolically when they get a different type of milkshake. One group got the Sensa shake, a 140 calorie milkshake. And the other group got the indulgent shake, a 600 calorie milkshake. So what happens when they just eat this one shake? In actuality, both groups got the exact same milkshake, which was a 300 calorie milkshake. (laughs) They were not told this. They just believed what they were taking in. And what they saw is metabolically (laughs) complete differences. So those that got the sense of shake were in dieting mode and like felt hungrier, three times more hungry, quicker than the other group. And they also, their body slowed down because uh, significantly metabolically, because it was in that dieting mode. Mm -hmm. Whereas the indulgent shake folks on the opposite felt like earned it one time study. We were really enjoyed that were more nourished and satisfied they had a healthy metabolic response and no no problems at all and um i just see how much the again biology of belief can shift how we um take in foods and digest them and when i talked to my patients about overcoming food intolerances i had i was eating five foods like i was that girl when i was going through mast cell especially and i've 
introduced every single food that I wanted to introduce back in just with like deciding I was ready um, to bring it back in. And, and then sometimes our brain and our limbic system, how it works is it can stack like trauma with food. And so like, I think about pop tarts, pizza, Prozac, and like, there's honestly nothing in me that desires <laughs> those foods because of how much, like mm-hmm. just how yeah. much punishment and scolding was around them. And, um, but it's like, imagine there's little Johnny, he's eight years old. He eats a peanut butter and jelly every day for lunch. He has for years. And then all of a sudden he starts to develop hives and gut issues and the doctors work him up and they're like, Oh, he must be intolerant to gluten and peanuts. We see this all the time. Well, when we do the work with little Johnny and we figure out what was going on in his life around the time he got diagnosed with these things, lo and behold, little Johnny witnessed his mom and dad have an all out fight that led to their separation and eventually divorce while he was eating the peanut butter and jelly. And the way that the brain and the gut work is they lock that stressor in. And so little Johnny's not thinking like, you know, PB and J is mom and dad, but the way that the brain uh, sinks all of that information, we get millions of bits of information every second subconsciously is it can uh, lock it that, that intolerance in. And so we think about like some of our deep widest spread intolerances today. And I think, I mean, we know what our, diets are heavy in in the US and we know how much stress is happening in the world. And so I think it's also something like that we need to to think about as clinicians Um, because we all have like a 90 year old Uncle Joe that maybe eats spam sandwiches every day and like orange soda, smokes a cigarette and never really was diagnosed with much in his life, but like keeps going like (laughs) a drunk and like, uh, and it really is. And then there's like, I say 33 year old Lauren, who's diagnosed with like 12 incurable illnesses, eating five foods, working out multiple times a day and still not feeling well. And so why is that? Yeah. Okay. That just blew my mind. I actually do have an Uncle Stan who's we 99. All do. We all have this uncle. <laughs> Smoke, you know, unfiltered <laughs> cigarettes, like way up. In the, anyway, go ahead. That just blew my mind <laughs> because Mike and I both know that book, The Biology Belief, yeah. and it's phenomenal. And so just to tie it into things like food intolerances and trauma around food just kind of blew my mind right there just for a moment because I don't know if I ever put that together. That was phenomenal, mm-hmm. and I love it. So yeah. j- just as a follow-up to what you just said, so when you're talking to patients and you're talking about feeding your microbiome and that gut-brain connection, how much do you, because of your history, focus on mental-emotional issues? Or is it just like really working yeah. with the gut microbiome? Oh, I no, I I mean, the the gut to me, have you ever seen uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes. Mm-hmm. The movie. Yes. They use Windex on everything yes. and it's yes. like it cures everything. <laughs> so the, the gut to me is a code word for, I'm not just thinking stomach or intestines. It is really how it impacts the whole system. And so there's the gut brain, there's our gut like hormone and endocrine. There's a gut immune. And so when I say the word gut, in my mind, I think holistically. Mm-hmm. And your gut is, we call it your second brain. I actually think it should be called the first brain because you have more neurons in here than any other part of the peripheral nervous system. And we know 90%, 95% even, of, definitely for serotonin, but of the direction between the gut and the brain actually comes from the gut, our thoughts and our microbes. And so the, I definitely focus a lot though on the, the mental, emotional like sides of being a whole whole person. And I tend to lay those seeds very early because I think our mind has to be on board with our body in order to heal. Kind of back to my story of me saying, like, I had to decide I was already well in order to start going in that direction. And then I just simultaneously start to move the two together because if I'm trying to vibe in that direction and I'm still like inundated with like toxicity, like in my daily life, if I'm choosing a lifestyle that way, it's going to be harder for the brain to continue to get online with that. But Mm -hmm. you initially have to seed that there. 
Um, and that's really where also helping patients understand like their health story has been a big part of my my work too from a, a metaphorical level. I sometimes believe, I do believe that symptoms in chronic illness conditions are metaphors for things happening in our life. Like yeah. why am yeah. I doing all the things but throwing yeah. spaghetti at the walls? And we say the body keeps the score, but I don't go so much even like big T trauma. It doesn't have to have happen. It could be just like little stressors, the way that you perceive them. I call them little, but back to little Johnny, like that was a big stressor or a little stressor. Who knows? Like him watching that, but like that is a stressor. And he perceived it as an indigestible conflict, something he could not swallow or digest. So it shows up as a food intolerance and gut issues. Whereas another person, like think about our teenagers who are going through middle school, they get acne. That's related to an attack conflict. Your skin is your protective mechanism. So say my self-worth feels under attack or I'm feeling like I'm being bullied or I'm just not feeling good enough. Like the body is a metaphor or I've had like stress fracture. One of my favorite stories, I had a stress fracture on my right foot and it lingered for 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. And I I did not do anything different in my routine. I wasn't training for a marathon. I'm active, but there was nothing out of the norm for me. And 12 weeks is a very long time. That's double the time, typically what a stress fracture should heal. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing all the things. And why is that? Well, lo and behold, that same week I got that stress fracture, a a guy had come back into my life that I had liked for a long time. And uh, it was just not going to work out. Immobility conflict, inability to move forward. And Mm. that stress fracture lingered for 12 weeks until the day I released him and just said, like, he's narcissistic. He's egotistical. I don't need to be with him. My brain got online with and then my stress fracture healed that day. And I've seen these spontaneous, seemingly healings happen in many ways for many of my patients, depending on another lady had um, a UTI that popped up. All suddenly, she hadn't had one in 10 years. And she messaged me that day and was like, Dr. Lauren, I think I have a UTI. What do I do? I was like, well, what was happening right before you getting got this? Well, I had met with her the day before. We were processing some frustration she was having in her life. Like, what's stressing you out this week with her partner, her husband? And uh, UTI is related to a territorial conflict, uh, specifically with, like, your partner or something that you're thinking. It doesn't have to be a physical sexual interaction that you've had, hmm. but it can be that charge. Um, when she linked the two, she realized where that was coming from. The UTI healed that day. She didn't have to go get any of the supplements and herbs I was suggesting her to get when she made that connection. And that's just like really the power of how the brain and the body work is like when we have a conflict that's perceived in a certain part of the brain, like, so my brain stems connected to my gut, for example. So little Johnny gets this indigestible conflict perceived in the brain stem, it sends a signal to his gut. And if you were to do a CT scan of the brain in the, in that moment, you would see a concentric ring, like something just inflammation form there. And so I just help my patients understand metaphorically what's the goal, what triggered their illness to help the brain begin to like heal some of that inflammation there so it can get on board with healing. And that way their nutrition and their supplements and all the other protocols, the green allopathy can actually work. <laughs> right. My mind is Holy blown. smokes. My mind is blown by that. So, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. This is, this is incredible because okay. a little bit of a diatribe, I'm sorry. But one thing that I, a joke that I do, Patty knows about it, is that when people have car issues. Uh, I, I swear to God, I, I knew you were going to say I this. I do the same I thing with respect to medical, metaphorical thinking. When somebody, like if Patty's got three dead batteries over the course of two years, I'm like, well, What's going on? How's no, your my, work-life balance? You've got right. a dead battery. You know what I mean? There's totally a metaphor happened. there. We have another totally person happened. whose brakes literally fell out of their car. <laughs> and it's like, I think you're, there's a lesson there, right? Um, exactly. But I have not ever done that with Me either. my own particular symptoms or, or patient symptoms. Like, 
Thank you for sharing that. That's that so mind blowing. Helpful. Michael yeah. says that all the time. My car overheated. He's like, "You're running hot, Patty. <laughs> You're just running hot in your life. You better calm the it car's down." Always overheated. And I'm just like, "Oh my god, yeah, I never thought of these." <laughs> like, like what analogy? Rather. So Lauren just did it with like yeah. with your body. That's fascinating. No, thanks for sharing that. That's that was wonderful. Great. That was wonderful. Great. So, um, also, you've written a lot of blogs on German new medicine, which I don't know what yeah, that is. What me is either. that, and how do you use that in practice? Yeah, I mean, it, in a way, it's it's very much what I'm talking about right now. Okay. And I've like okay. really like developed my own practice with it. And I call it <laughs> gut brain rewiring because um, I do think with Germany medicine, it was, I'll give you a little backstory on it. It was developed by a doctor in the 80s. Dr. Hamer was his name. And he was very conventional and like not into holistic thinking at all. And he had developed cancer randomly, seemingly, um, testicular cancer. Um, and it happened after his son, Dirk, tragically passed away in his arms mm. and from like a bullet wound and so he developed this cancer and he was like why did i get this and he began i mean he was seeing his family physician he saw all sorts of things in his practice and he just began to take inventory of like when his patients would come in and he started to do a triage on them like what was happening in your life before you got x symptom and what he began to discover is that there were a lot of similarities in different conditions of the type of stressors they had incurred. So mm -hmm. people with cancer, specifically his type of cancer, testicular uh, and hormonal type of cancers had had a separation conflict. And so he had been separated from his son. Whereas kind of going back to like chronic gut issues, if someone had IBS or like SIBO-like symptoms, something that preceded that had been indigestible in the way that they perceived it. And so, and he mapped, he began to map out the brain for over a thousand different conditions, depending on the specific type of stressor they had incurred and where it showed up in the body. Hmm. And so that's kind of the, the backstory of Germany medicine. And it's really just how dis-ease in our life can show up as disease in the body. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and really where I've taken it a step further within the functional realm is like recognizing we do live in a toxic world nowadays where 2023 is a bit different than the 80s and then Germany as well in the US. And so just thinking like we do have these poisons in our systems, uh, like from just chemtrails in the air or whether it's our food supply or um, mold, moldy buildings. So I recognize that there is that layer of physical like toxicity happening and the way that the body still takes or presents with symptoms can go back to metaphor. So like we think about mold illness, it shows up in every single system of the body, but it shows up and exacerbates different things for people. So I had mold illness. I had a lot of shortness of breath and asthma-like symptoms, whereas other people have like neurological or like a ton of fatigue. And I didn't really experience a lot of that when I was going through it. And so why does it show up differently in different systems? And that can go back to like, again, how we're perceiving different stressors happening in our life at that time. It doesn't even have to be how I perceive mold, it definitely can be. Uh, but it can also be like at the time that I was going through mold illness, I was working like 12 hour days. I was living with a really just like difficult roommate. I was working out a lot at that time to like kind of like steam off stress. So my body was just like under a lot of stress and there was a lot of um, even like anxiety happening in my life, mm. <laughs> really with all of that. So show up in my lungs. So death right conflict is what we call that. So. It's, it's very layered or, I mean, I think COVID is another really great example. Like why did COVID show up so differently? And there's a lot of biology to belief in COVID. We know, I mean, we, I don't know if you guys experienced COVID, but I had it, I think twice, like definitely symptomatic of what was ever happening. We haven't really contained the virus itself, but there is like 
people perceived COVID way differently. So mm-hmm. if you think about like an isolation or separation conflict, that may show up as pulmonary issues for one or as a heart attack and heart issues for one. Whereas other people were just like going to the bathroom a lot. Mm-hmm. And so there's that indigestible stressor coming back in. Um, and like kind of the list could go on and on there, but it's just like we, it's all about perception is really where the system gets highlighted. Depend, the trigger can be a similar trigger. Sure. Yeah, all right. Well, there, there goes the rest of my week. I, I need to dive deeper into this. Oh, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, Lauren, I can't wait to listen back to this over and over and over. I'm sure I'll cry every Aww. time and be inspired and jump up and down and go, oh, my God, I can't believe I never put those two things together. This is amazing. There's so many aha moments to talk about mm-hmm. here. And Michael and I are going to have to unpack this after we hang up with you. But that being said, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there having that same experience that really, like, aha moments and that touched experience. Where can listeners go to learn more and perhaps sign up to work with you? Yeah, so drlauren.com is the easiest way to find me. And Lauren is spelled with a Y, not an E. So D-R-L-A-U-R-Y-N.com. Mm. And that's also my handle on all my social media outlets. I'm most active over on Instagram. Um, mm. And I have a three-day gut cleanse, gut brain cleanse on my site as well that they can download for free. Amazing. And we're going to awesome. link to all of these things in the show notes. And Dr. Lauren, this has been a very moving this has experience been incredible. for me. Oh my gosh, thank um, you so much for being uh, on here. But before we let you go, I don't know if you've ever listened to this show, but no. before we let you go, we do have one last question that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman, and it's called The Fireball. Yeah, Dr. Lauren, we've got a stupid question that we end interviews with. It's supposed to t- catch you by surprise, and, uh, and and maybe if you stutter and try to answer it, that's even better for <laughs> our content. Uh, so As long as it's not math. Uh, it's not math. It's yeah. not math. Okay. So this this super hot fireball question for you. You're a child of the 90s. And so I was thinking about back to the 90s. And uh, what was your first compact disc that you that wow. you can remember purchasing? Oh, I, I had an Amy Grant. My parents oh. gave me. And then Britney Spears. Oh, oh yeah. Like, who said it again? Hit me, baby, one more time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. exactly. So good. Spoken yes. like a true 90s girl. Was, I love that. Totally. That's uh, amazing. Well, again, Dr. Lauren Lax, we can't thank you enough. I'm forever changed by speaking to you, and I've been waiting to meet you for a very long time, so we're so grateful that you agreed to come on the show, and hopefully it's the first of many more to come. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is fun. I was wiping away tears. You were. I've, I've never cried in an interview. I wasn't outwardly crying, but I had to wipe away tears. I just find her so compelling and so touching and so brave. I just loved everything about that. If I had emotions, I probably would be crying too. Yeah, you're a robot. I did feel something, I think, during that. <laughs> no, it was an incredible story. Sure. And, I mean, I just I appreciate so much her approach overall holistically as far as finding the root cause. I mean, I think what she's doing is not just finding the root cause with like mitochondrial dysfunction or things like that. She's finding the root cause as far as what is the deeper underlying trauma that creates the, the pathology. And I just, I just, I love that stuff. It's so great. And and without that path, you know, it's, it's hard to come to that place. So everything that has happened to her in her life has brought her to this really profound place where she can really help people. No, absolutely. And if it weren't for copyright laws, we'd be rocking out to some Britney Spears on air right now. So um, <laughs> I appreciate that aspect as well. Me too. Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk to Dr. Elizabeth Raskin. Like, are we really going to do no, it this time? No, we are totally going to do it. This is the third time it. we promised. I know. We're going to do it. Okay. It's my fault. Let's do it. It's all my fault. It's all right. We're going to do it this time. Great. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. 
Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So I'll have you know, I asked my wife this question, mm-hmm. actually, what was, what was her first compact disc? And? Uh, and she said, well, I don't remember the first compact disc because we're a little bit older. Right. But she said my first cassette tape. New Kids on the Block. Was Vanilla Ice. Wow. And I looked at her and I said, that is absolutely 100% impossible because my first cassette tape was Vanilla Ice. Hmm. Wow. It's as if you were, fate brought you together. You were destined mm. to stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> yeah. We're <laughs> quick to, we're quick to the point to the point no faking really. We're cooking <laughs> MCs like a pound of bacon. 